Hey, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Tonight we're going to be dealing along the same lines of the supernatural, and I'm going to be dealing with unbelief and being faithless. I don't know what my wife is going to be bringing forth, but she has some, some words here she's going to begin to deliver to us, and we're going to have a good time tonight. I want to challenge you to get you a pencil, piece of paper, get your Bible, your iPad, open them up, and uh, we're just going to go right into the Word of God and begin to talk about the goodness of God and how He wants to operate and move in our life as individuals. You know, the times that we're living in, and I'm sure that people are tired of hearing the times that we're living in, but right. we're living in difficult times right now in many respects, but on the other side, this is a great opportunity and great moments for a lot of people. Uh, the times that we're living in can be difficult. We're all walking through some things. We're all walking through difficult uh, issues. We've got COVID-19 looking over our shoulder. We've got all kinds of th stuff that is, is happening. In reality, we can look at the natural and get so concerned and so distraught discouraged, and even come to a place of depression almost if we're watching the things that are happening on a daily basis in our world. But I want to look at the things of what God is doing and what he's capable of doing and what he has done in the past. And the reason that I want to go there is because it helps build faith in my life. The Bible speaks to us and says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, when we hear the goodness of God and the things that God has done throughout time, it builds our faith. Then we read scriptures that says that he's no respecter of persons. In other words, if he did it for one, he'll do it for another. When I look at the scripture, if he did it then, he'll do it now. So when I study the word of God, I, I have to keep all of that in perspective and keep that in, in focus that if he did it for them, surely he'll do it for us. If he did it for one person, then surely he'll do it for me. Because he's not a respecter of persons. In other words, he'll, he'll do for one what he did for, for another. Our faith has to move to the place of, belie of believing that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father are working in tandem together so that we can be blessed as believers. The Holy Spirit comes and helps reveal Scripture to us, and the Word says He's been sent to teach us of the Father. Now, He'll be, bring back to remembrance Scriptures that we may have studied months ago, but in the times that we go through, He now nudges us and brings back to our remembrance that it's applicable for what, for what we're going through today. So the Word of God can never be exhausted in our life. It keeps, it, it, it never changes, but we're the ones that begin to bring change in our life and the word begins to expand us to understand more of the goodness of God, more of the mercies of God, and more of what God is wanting to do for his people as believers. So tonight we pray that this word challenges you we pray that, that as we're unfolding some scriptures that's been made real to us, that it becomes real to you also, that you're able to take this word, begin to build upon it, and begin to increase your faith. 
throughout Scripture, and I'm going to be talking about this throughout Scripture, Jesus begins, begins to talk in, New, in the New Testament and says to, refers to people as having great faith and people that have little faith. So we want to increase our faith from being something that we would consider to be small to a place that we have great faith and knowing that whatever God says we can do, we can do it. Whatever he says we can have, we can have. And whatever he says about you and about me, that's who we are. Amen. Not in the perspective of how we see ourselves, but how God sees us. And that's where faith comes alive within our life to knowing even in my faults, even in, in my shortcomings, that God still sees me how he created me and for the purpose of what he's created me for. So today, we're going to go into the word. Bev, do you want to uh, sure. say anything here? I got a lot I want to say, but I don't know if there'll be time for it all. Uh, God's been bringing me back to a message I preached way before Katrina um, since last night. And the name of the message was Silencing the Avenger of Your Soul. You know, and, and it's a powerful word, and I just keep coming back to it. Um, I have um, actually, I pulled up some notes from a few different sermons. I don't know where all I'll go in my sharing time because we'll be bouncing off of each other and, you know, trying to see, you know, uh, where we're, what the Holy Spirit wants each of us to share tonight. Um, we, we sometimes do this as kind of like a tag team in the aspect that we're both on the same topic, but sometimes God has given us each a different topic to, to address, and that's where I'm coming from. We're dealing still with the supernatural, but we've been talking a lot about the power of your words and the power of your confession in your words. Last week, we talked a lot about um, covet to prophesy and about speaking forth what God wants you to speak forth. And that's a little bit of where I'm going tonight. We also talked about praise. And I talked about the re referencing to um, uh, a message that, um, a, a song that was written years ago, and it's taken out of scripture that says, inhabit my praise. And so when there is a habitation, to inhabit means it's not just a visitation, but you actually, God actually comes in and takes up an abode. So if I knew that there was something I could do that would cause God to take up abode within my, my life, to live in me, to take up permanent residency in me, then I want to do that. Okay. Cause I accepted him mm -hmm. and he's in my life, but there's the word also says that there is something that causes him to bring a habitation and it's, he inhabits the praises of his people. So if I make my lifestyle, not only a lifestyle of repentance, but a lifestyle of praise, then he's going to take up habitation there. And that's yep. his word. And so I'm going to read this ver a couple of verses to you. One out of the Old Testament and then the other is out of the New Testament. First one's out of Psalms chapter 8 verse 2. And then we're going to go to Matthew and uh, it's similar things that are being stated here. David wrote in Psalms 8, 2, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Now, the word still there, when you research that, it means silence. 
So how can I silence my enemy? You know, some people, if they don't want to hear something, they'll, somebody would be talking to them, they'll be doing, putting their fingers in their ears or going, la, 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 you know, because they don't want to hear something, you know. But, but for whatever reason, when the devil starts talking to us, whether it's through um, uh, watching things on television or, you know, or, or media reports or uh, news or, or whatever it may be, when somebody starts listening and tuning their ear into that negativity, it takes their peace. And so there are times that we have to recognize what is the enemy and the avenger of my soul? What is stealing and robbing my peace? I don't need to entertain whatever it is that's robbing my peace. Now, listen, I get it because daily I have to deal with issues and life and situations and challenges and struggles and people and and things of that nature, just like you do. So I'm not saying that we're going to exclude ourselves or withdraw ourselves from life and the daily functions of life, but I'm saying that there is a place that we can get lost in the supernatural realm. We can get caught up in the spirit. We can have such a relationship with the Holy Spirit that even though the enemy is bringing lies and things our way, I can silence him by not giving, not entertaining his lies. I don't have to empower him by listening to his lies. I can listen and then I can make a choice. That's not exalting God, so I'm casting that down because we are casting down the imaginations and anything that doesn't exalt itself against the kingdom and the knowledge of God, right? Out of 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Okay, so the same verse we go into Matthew chapter 21, verse 16, it says, And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? He's asking, Jesus is speaking here in Matthew 21, 16. He's saying, Haven't you read what David wrote in the book of Psalms? He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. So we have got to, you know, uh, one passage of scripture says becoming like a little child, but it, there, there's an innocence. It's referring to the innocence because when the older we get, the more of life we experience, we allow ourselves to be stressed out on this level, that level, the other level. Babies aren't that way. You know, children aren't that way because they don't know what to worry about. And so we've got to go back to a place in our life, in our mind, in our spirit, where we're like a babe or a suckling. And through that experience that we would just perfect (laughs) praise. If I will perfect my praise, I can silence the avenger. In, um, In one translation, it says that you would initiate praise. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is the story recorded about Jehoshaphat. He was a king. He was the fourth king of Judah. And he had followed his father, Asa, who had been the king before him. And Jehoshaphat was a young man when he took the throne. He was 35 years old. And he reigned for 25 years till he was 60. He was a good king and primarily a king who led his people under the leadership of God. He was a faithful man, 
But even though he was faithful, listen to this, it did not exempt him from trouble. We all have troubles. We all have challenges that come our way. So he was faithful. He loved God. He's leading the nation and he's doing everything he can to lead the nation according to God's direction. But yet he still encountered some trouble. It did not exempt him from trouble. And he found himself in a position where three enemy nations decided to combine their efforts, come against him and wipe his nation out. Jehoshaphat's name means Jehovah has judged. Historically, his name has sometimes been connected with the valley of Jehoshaphat, where according to Joel chapter 2, the God of all Israel would gather all the nations together one day for judgment. In 2 Chronicles 20, you can read the story of Jehoshaphat and how that It was the worshipers that went forth. I have all the verses here, but I'm not going to take time to read it. Verse 1 through 29. You may want to go back and read it later because this is so powerful. And and I'm just going to give you the synopsis of it. The initial reactions and actions that Jehoshaphat took when he realized that these three nations were coming against his people and they were under attack was he was fearful. And he stated to God, And he inquired of the Lord and he called a fast. We at Praise Church Louisiana are about to call a fast. And I know there are a lot of churches that are having an emphasis right now on 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're about to call a fast for 21 days of prayer. um, And we're going to do so leading up to uh, the end of this Hebraic year. Um, There's... There's Yom Kippur, and then there's uh, the other feast. Let me hang on just a minute. Let me read it. Rosh Hashanah, but I'm trying to figure the dates. There's like about four or five dates in there. I don't know exactly which date we're going to do this because we're going to lead up to that, and we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're leading into that. Well, he led the people in a fast. Jehoshaphat did. He was fearful, and he stated to God, and he asked of the Lord, and then he called a fast, and he began to pray. But we're going to talk about how he praised, how he prayed, how he went into prayer. Number one, he initiated praise. He praised God, and it's all in these verses, and I'm encouraging you to go back and read. He praised God for who he is, and then he praised God for his mighty acts. You see, the way that we build our faith is remembering the acts that God has done on our behalf and on the behalf of those that we know and those that we've read about in the Bible. We've got to build up our faith. One way we do that, Jude talks about, is by praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. We've got to build up our faith, but it's our responsibility to do it. You referred to it, the other way, another way to build up our faith is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there are many ways we build up our faith and praise is one of those. And it's by remembering the amazing things that God has done. One of the Psalms says, forget not all his benefits. God's doing amazing things for us all the time. And when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, you know, that old song, I love that song. 
It makes me want to dance, 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 shout, shout, shout. It makes me want to praise. When I think about what he's done, when I start to get discouraged, I start to get weighted down, I just need to stop and think about what he's done for me. And a praise begins to erupt out of my spirit. A praise begins to erupt out of my mouth. I will initiate praise in those moments. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. He led the people in a fast and he began to pray and he started his prayer by initiating praise. Second thing was he identified the problem. There was external problems. Listen, we all relate to this. There were external problems, but there were also internal problems. External problems. He had three nations coming against them to drive the people out of their own land. And then the second was internal problems, said we are powerless against them and we don't know what to do. What do I mean by the internal problems? Internal problems come frequently when we're looking at the external problem and we forget who we are in God. For for weeks, my husband taught on these broadcasts midweek on your uh, heavenly identity. We must know who we are. When we forget who we are, then we become powerless in our own mind. We're defeated before we get started, but, and we don't know what to do because we don't know who we are. So we've, how do we remember all of that? We got to go back. We got to remember. You know, the Bible tells us, remember not the former things, and it's talking about God doesn't want us to be like the children of Israel wanting to go back to the mindset of slavery. He doesn't want us to go back to where we came from, but there are other passages where the Bible tells us that we need to remember what God's done in our lives. When we focus on those memories of what he's done for us, the breakthroughs, the miracles, the divine intervention, then we're going to have the faith we need to plummet us forward into the current battle that we are facing at the time. So this is what he did. He identified, he initiated praise, number one, if you're taking notes. Number two, he identified the problem, both the external problems and the internal problems. And number three, he implored the Lord for help and he said, our eyes are upon thee. Again, this is in those passages in uh, Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat turned his eyes on the Lord. Then he was delivered from the hand of the enemy. His enemies then turned on one another. Judah ultimately did not even have to go to war. The other thing Jehoshaphat did was he sent the praisers and the worshipers out first. That was that uh, part of the process of initiating praise. He was delivered from the hands of the enemy. The enemies turned on one another. Anytime I think about this, I remember it. I know you shared it one night. I don't know if the same people are watching tonight, but we, we had an opportunity to take a team and we did a missions trip to the Bahamas. Yes, it was a missions trip. We were there uh, seven days and we had 14 church services. <laughs> so it was a missions trip. Some people think you go to the Bahamas just to have fun. Our story was quite different. But there was a time there 
there that as we were walking down the street and we had our youth group and just a few adult chaperones, probably we might should have had more with us, but we had the Holy Spirit with us. Um, but I'm sure that uh, onlookers watching would have probably said, oh, y'all needed to bring more adults than that with all those kids. But we had all these kids there and these demoniacs came up and they began heckling us and they were following us as we were going along for a little ways and heckling and making all kind of statements and things and, and trying to like, you know, say things to, to get a response, like to get somebody to fight back or whatever. And as we just kept going forward, my husband told the group, he said, keep going forward, ignore it, just keep going. We're going to keep going. And several of us were praying in the spirit as we're walking along. And in just a few minutes, those two guys turned on each other and they started fighting each other. That's the first time I personally had ever witnessed something like that, but this was massive. This was whole armies that turned on each other. See, we so often focus on the challenges. God has equipped us in his word. And as I said, I'm just taking excerpts of a message. The other message I was, I was really torn about sharing tonight is canceled by complaint. Because we can, with our mouth, with our words, with the things that we say, we can cancel out the blessings that God has intended for our life due to our own complaint, due the confession of our mouth. So I'm challenging you tonight. You have the authority, and I hope this is an encouragement to you, to silence the enemy. You have been given the authority to silence the avenger of your soul that's come to rob you, steal you of your joy, to, to steal your peace, to steal your rest when you lay down to sleep at night. You have been given the authority over that. And you can do this by opening your mouth, initiating praise, entering into a time of prayer, worshiping God, declaring and, and admitting where your problems are. All of us have problems externally, but we all have some issues internally. And frequently people don't want to admit their problems. You know, we have some great friends of ours who are counselors and have degrees in, the, in this area. And, and we were in communication with, with uh, one of the men today. And, and, you know, we have people in our life that have these degrees to be uh, uh, counselors. But they will tell you, and it concurs with what the Word of God says, of course, that you can't help a person find freedom until they first admit, I have a problem. That's why some of us, and the uh, Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Some of you watching right now, you're exhausting yourself because you're trying to get the people in your sphere to realize the problems that they need to address. They are not going to change anything in their life until first they admit they got a problem. We want to live in denial about the things we choose to live in denial about. And I'm speaking to you by the Holy Spirit right now. In your prayer, you need to pray for those individuals that God will remove the blinders and he will illuminate to them what the real issues are. Let the Holy Spirit do the work, not you. We mess everything up when we get in the middle of it. But through our prayer and intercession, the Holy Spirit will do the work. 
He will deal with them. He will speak to them. He will put people in their path to speak to them. He will cause them to get a phone call to speak to them. He will get in touch with them because he loves your loved ones more than you love them. He wants them to follow him. So he is, he's a jealous God and he's going to do what needs to be done to get their attention. So it requires us trusting him that he's going to do that. God wants to interrupt their agenda. He interrupted Saul of Tarsus when he was on his way to kill Christians. He had no mindset that day to serve God. He was out to kill and to destroy those who were following the purposes of God. But when we commit it to God and we pray and we intercede and we trust him, he's going to do the work that no man can do. So let God deal with those individuals. Pray that he will remove the blinders and cause them to see the error of their way. When the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes in, People become restless because they can see themselves the error of their way and the wrong decisions that they are making. Let's trust God to do that and then they will begin to seek for the help that is needed. Not because you pressured them, you forced them, and you're trying to make them see how, you know, um, irrational maybe that their behavior is or their relationships are or, or their actions are. It, it doesn't work that way. You've got to let go and let God. So let's together make a decision that we're going to silence the avenger of our soul by initiating praise. Read that passage in Chronicles about Jehoshaphat, so many truths there. I rushed through it and gave you just a few pointers there that you could focus on, but it's a powerful message there. And why did I feel like to share this? Because we've just got a few more days that we're in this year, the year of the mouth, the year of the mouth with our mouth. This is the Hebraic year we're in right now the year of the mouth. And we, with our mouth, we need to make the decrees, make the declarations. We need to prophesy. We need to praise and use our mouth to exalt God, not to speak the negativity, not to cancel our blessings, that inheritance that was supposed to come our way by verbalizing the negative prophecies, but to prophesy life and health and prosperity and victory and breakthrough and deliverance, which is ours. Why? Because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are his children. Okay. I think I'm done. You think you're done? Maybe. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot to, to digest, a lot to take in. You know, when you're talking about the year of the, of the mouth, the, the situation that we're in right now, and I'm going I'm to I'm step out here a little bit, We've got masks on our face, which, which, you know, we've got we've got slogans "I can't breathe," and then we've got masks on our face that that prevents us from speaking. I don't know about you, but but for me to go somewhere and hear somebody speak through a mouth that's a, a mask, it's difficult to understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know, in in if you look at the prophetic realm. This is such an enactment of what is actually taking place in the spirit realm. The enemy really wants to suck life. He wants to suck the breath of life out of you. And he also doesn't want you to speak. And this is what, what we're seeing manifest in, in the simplicity of a mass. Now, I'm not, don't go from here saying, oh, well, 
you're saying we don't need to be wearing masks. I think you need to use wisdom in everything that you're doing. Yeah. And what does it hurt having a mask on anyway? <clears throat> you know, the reality of it is we're, we're, we're in a health pandemic that's taking place and we need to be wise with everything that we're doing. So I'm not saying that masks are wrong, but I'm just saying that the manifestation of where we are and the words that have been said is, is a depiction of where we are spiritually also. That people's, people's breath is being sucked out of them spiritually. And then we're not able to speak. The parallel of that is very strong. It's a strong statement in here. And I'm not trying to minimize the things that are happening in this world. I think that there needs to be some changes in our world. But I also believe that changes really won't take place until the church begins to change. Until we get a hold of God and allow God to work in our life the way he wants to work in our life. Until he begins to breathe upon us this breath of life, the Holy Spirit to come into our life and to rejuvenate our life where the, the dead places of our life comes alive now. You know, it's interesting how Paul speaks to Timothy and tells Timothy to stir up those gifts that are inside of him. And then he goes on and begins to give an explanation. He said, your grandmother and your mother laid hands on you. And he says, and even I have laid hands on you and imparted into your life. And, he, and, he, and he's really rebuking this young man in one way by saying to him, stir up the gifts. In other words, don't just sit there and don't just, just allow things to overrun you. Stir up the gifts that's inside of you. And I believe for every believer, we need to stir up the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can breathe, that we can live, that we Amen. can have a voice yeah. and begin to speak into the atmosphere, prophesy and begin to speak the word of God over our lives. Amen. You know, I, I, Bev, as you were speaking, as my mind was just going in so many different places and looking at this and how powerful Jesus' word is. The, the Bible even declares that he, he, being Jesus, is the word of God. Mm -hmm. Now, if we are created in the image and in the likeness of God, and Jesus is the word, how powerful his, the word is, and don't you know that the enemy will always mimic everything that is original from God? So his word, he wants to become more powerful in your ears than the word of God. So this is why there's such a battle in our minds, our hearts, is because of words that are being spoken. Things that are coming to us in the form of words. And many of the words that we hear... In our, in our minds are not the words of God. Right. They come from the enemy to squelch, to, to kill, to destroy what God is trying to place within us. So he, he brings a different word. So when we look in, in Scripture, you see this where that Jezebel, <clears throat> when she was ruling with Ahab, mm -hmm. and she had her 850 prophets that were prophesying her word, and Elijah comes and he meets 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of the grove, and he's the only 
prophet of God that is there, and he begins to challenge them to a, a showdown. Right. You know, this, you know, first, first showdown in the, in the scripture, the Wild West comes in, mm -hmm. and he calls a showdown, and he says that, he says, whoever calls fire down, whoever, whatever God answers by fire, that's who we'll serve. And he asks, talks to the children of Israel, and he says to them, how long will you be between two opinions? Where did those opinions come from? It came from words. Mm -hmm. They understood the word of God, but they also had another word that was echoing in their mind that they allowed to overpower the word of God. And they begin to believe that word, and now they have no opinion. They, they, they could quote, and they could talk about the word of God, but they could also quote and talk about the word that was coming from Jezebel. And they were between two opinions. They didn't know which way to go and what to embrace anymore. And I think a lot of people in, in time, we, we allow the words of the enemy to echo in our minds so much that it begins to wash out the word of God that we know. Mm -hmm. We know God's word is real, but it brings us to a place of, I, I don't want to say unbelief, but maybe disbelief. Yeah. That we, we know the words God, of God is true, but may we, maybe we disbelieve that it's going to work for us. Yeah. Because of so many voices that's been speaking. Now, as a believer... We need, to, we need to believe the word of God over anything else. Or what we'll do is we'll find ourselves in a place where that we're between two opinions. Elijah says, okay, there's going to be some demonstration here. And he calls for the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Grove to do their thing. And they're, they're cutting themselves with rocks. They're, they're, they're doing all kinds of things. And Elijah's actually making fun of them. And he said, man, your, your, God, your God must be deaf. Your God must be his and must be that. And he's actually making fun of them in their, in their presentation to bring fire down. And then Elijah now mocks them in, I think, one of the greatest ways by bringing barrels of water and pours it over, over his altar and had a ditch that was a trench that was dug around it and it filled it up. I think he was mocking those people in a stronger measure than what we really realize because he knew that the word of God was true and he was willing to go to any extent to show the children of Israel how powerful their God is. And if God can come down and consume this altar after being drenched with water, then there would be no doubt in their mind. Mm -hmm. What is it that God has to do in your life for there to be no doubt or to fight off disbelief? You know, what we should do as believers is just believe his word. In fact, in Mark chapter 11, there's a, a fig tree, and we know the story that was dried up by the roots. Jesus is coming by with his disciples. He lifts up a, a leaf. He finds there's no fruit, and he curses that tree. Well, the disciples didn't think much of it because they didn't see anything in that moment. But a day later, they come, and they're walking by the same fig tree, and the disciples are saying, oh, my goodness, look at this. The fig tree is dead. 
And Jesus now begins to address this. And, and, and it says in verse 21 of chapter 11 in Mark, it says, And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus responds with this. And Jesus answering and saith unto, him, unto them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. In other words, Jesus was bringing forth a, an example of how they needed to walk, even though they had disbelief for the moment that when Jesus cursed the tree, they didn't see anything in motion at that moment. Many times in our life, we're asking God to do something and we're not seeing anything in motion in that moment. But God's working behind the scenes. God's working in ways that we don't understand and we don't know of. And it could be like in this story, 24 hour, hours later, we find that all that we had prayed for is now done. Jesus says to him, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. What do we, what do we use when we're talking? We use words. Mm -hmm. How powerful our words are. Verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. But then he goes into a segment here in verse 25. And when ye stand praying, <clears throat> neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I, I, I skipped a little bit here. When ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So he's saying here, there's, there's some conditions when you come to me that you need to meet. And when you come asking and you've got stuff in your heart, you need to get that out of your heart before I'm going to answer your prayers. Before I even forgive you of your trespasses, you've got to forgive those of their trespasses. You know, there are conditions in the Word of God, and many times we'll grab a scripture and we'll hold on to that scripture. But yet, there's conditions mm -hmm. for that scripture that we need to consider. Right. We need to look at. Now, we want the power of God operating in our life, that when we, when we begin to speak, whatever we ask, when we pray, it shall be given unto us. But the condition of it is for that to take place, we need to have forgiving, a forgiving heart yeah. and turn loose of things so that our prayers will be answered. And maybe sometimes in our life, our prayers are not being answered because we're holding things against others. That's something to consider when we begin to pray. There's something to consider when we're looking at what the Word of God says. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, we can justify everything depending on how we want to look at it. Yeah. But in reality, we have to look at the Word of God, what it actually says. 
And when we look at the total word, especially in this passage, he says, have faith in God. He said, in other words, you can do the same things, but you got to have faith in God. Oh, and by the way, if you want to be able to have your prayers answered, then you're going to have to forgive. And for many people, that's a hard thing to do. But forgiveness is not for the person that you're forgiving or releasing from the issues that you're carrying. Because they're going to go on about their business and they're going to do what they're going to do and they probably will offend and they probably will hurt other people. But forgiveness is not for them. It's for you as a believer. And when I understand how to forgive and how to turn loose, I can live in peace in the midst of people abusing or misusing me or saying things or doing something to hurt hurt my feelings or whatever. I have to learn how to be quick to forgive. I have to learn how to be quick to turn loose of things so it doesn't get in my heart. Now, Bev quoted this 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to go to that, verses 3 through 5. I want to look at that because in that, the writer here is telling us how we can turn loose of things in our heart. It says in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, folks, I'm in the flesh, you're in the flesh. We walk in the flesh. We, if we're cut, we're going to bleed. If, if, if somebody says something, we're going to hurt. If, if, if we have uh, embarrassing moments, we're going to feel embarrassment. We're going to feel shame. We're going to feel all of the emotions that, the, that our life can produce. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Now, in other words, what he's saying here, Paul is saying that I can fight things out of a carnal nature. And I could feel good many times in fighting things out of a carnal nature. But he says our battle is not in the flesh and blood. The battle is not in, in the flesh. Our battle is actually in a spirit realm. Mm-hmm. When we begin to look at that, we begin to look at why did that individual speak to me that way? Why did they do some of the things that they've done? Could it be that that individual has relinquished a portion of their life that is influenced by Satan, by demonic powers? I'm not saying they're possessed. I'm, what I'm saying is they relinquished a portion of their life that they're actually hearing the words of the enemy instead of hearing the words of God. And they're allowing the words of the enemy to prevail in their life, and they act out of what they actually hear instead of what they know according to the Word of God. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. For for the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, so our fight is not in the physical. Ephesians 6.12 says that, and and we don't need to turn there, but write that down. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. That defines what we're fighting against. In Paul's writing here, he says the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every, every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
Now, let's talk about that for a moment because everything that it's saying in this passage is telling us as individuals what our responsibility is. This is not the responsibility of God, of Christ, or even the Holy Spirit. This is my responsibility as a believer to know who I am, know where I am, and, and be aware of everything that's going on around me. I'm not going to be an ostrich that's going to stick my head in the ground because of danger that, that, that is around. And, and I don't know if ostriches actually do that or not, but that's a saying that we've heard. Don't stick your head in the ground and ignore what's actually taking place. We're not going to ignore what's taking place. We're living in a real world, and just because I'm a believer does not exempt me from storms and trials. It, sa it, says, it says in, that, in this passage, it says, stand ready or be ready to avenge all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. In other words, after you've done all of this of casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, after you have done that, then you, then you have the readiness and, and being in a readiness stance. You know, when, when I was playing sports, when I was playing football, one of, one of the drills that we had and one of the routines that we would have would be in a, a ready, ready position, okay? We were, we were ready for anything that would come our way and we were watching everything that was going on around and being ready. This is what this scripture is saying. He says, and being in readiness to avenge disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So my obedience is to cast down imaginations, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, cast it down, taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then when I have done what I'm supposed to do, my obedience now will avenge or will, will destroy the disobedience that's trying to come into my life. So 2 Corinthians 10, 10 3 through 5, 3 through 6 is very, very powerful and very, very strong. <clears throat> In verse 7 it says, Do ye look on things according to the outward appearance? If any man trust himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ's. Now, let's take just for a moment what it says. Do you look on the things according to the outward appearance? I've been saying this over and over in the past several weeks, that even though we have circumstances and situations that surround our life today, we don't need to be looking at that. We actually need to be looking at what God is saying about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, That's where our faith needs to be. What is God doing in the midst of this? Well, I believe that there's a lot of exposure that's taking place. I believe that there are things that are being exposed to people, to be exposed to the church. It's being exposed to uh, all around, and there's exposure that's going on all over the place. Now, exposure for believers, let's look at this. Exposure in our own personal lives. 
exposure in how we believe, in exposure in how we conduct ourselves, exposure in how I need to change the way I believe in order to have a kingdom mindset instead of having a world mindset. That's one form of exposure that takes place that are we praying, are we fasting, are we seeking the face of God, or am I looking at the conditions of this world versus what God is saying about who I am? I think a lot of people are looking at the conditions of the world more than they're looking at them as being a believer and serving a God that's well able to do abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can imagine or even think. Now, when I look at the Word of God and begin to see what He says, then I have a different perspective of what's going on. So when I see what God's doing and what He's shifting in this world, then I can rest and relax knowing that God's got everything in control Right. as long as we keep praying and keep seeking His face, He's going to come in and cause shifts cause atmosphere changes. I'm talking about spiritual atmospheres to change. Shifts in the atmosphere of spirituality in our world. I believe what's taking place is God is up to something that we are not able to see in the natural. And we're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of this? But I'm here to tell you, God is in the midst of all of what is happening, what's taking place for the betterment of Christianity and for the betterment of believers' lives. I believe that we're going to go into a season of prosperity like we have never seen before in our Amen. lifetime. Amen. I believe that God's about to pour out into the church, into believers' lives, ideas, thoughts, mm -hmm. inventions, creative things, a new twist to old things, going to cause creativity to come forth, come back into the church. Yes. Where the, the world is looking at the church for answers instead of the church looking for the world for answers. You see, we either believe that we serve an awesome God or we don't. We can allow, allow unbelief or disbelief mm -mm. to displace our faith and we stand between two opinions. God, I know what you have done in the past, but look at what's being said. David, when he was a shepherd boy, understood the power of God in his faith. When he became king and multiplication of, of uh, his army began to increase, David had a little bit of doubt mm. about walking with what God said because of the size of the armies. Yes. You see, it's interesting how we can walk with God in one circumstance or one situation under one condition, but when we graduate and we begin to grow to a, a higher level, then we begin to have disbelief. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go back to the testimonies of what God did back then mm -hmm. and know if he did it then, yes. but he's going to do it again. Amen. If he did it in my life then, he's going to do again in my life again. Yes. No matter what level I'm on, He's going to go with me when I go from faith to mm -hmm. faith, yes. from glory to glory, and he's going to be with me when I go from victory and I go to victory and I go to victory again. You know what? God loves us more than we can conceive in our own minds. 
And he wants to work and operate in our life more than we realize. Yes. But all we have to do is have faith in God. Amen. Jesus says to the disciples, when Peter says, wow, 24 hours later, we heard you curse this victory, mm. and now look at the condition that it's in. And Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. You know what? You might not have great faith right now. You might have a little bit of faith. But the Word deals with that too. Yes. He says, if you have mm -mm. faith mm -mm. of a mustard seed, a little bit of faith, then you have the ability to speak to the mountains yes. in your life. Amen. And those mountains have to obey. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Wow, we serve an awesome God, folks. And he's wanting to minister to each and every one of us. And he wants us, he wants to help bring <clears throat> us through <clears throat> the problems. You know, I believe that there's gonna be a lot of exposures in this world on a whole lot of different levels. I'm, I'm, I, you know, you can say, well, are you prophesying? Yeah, I'm prophesying right now without saying, thus saith the Lord. I believe there's going to be exposures that's going to begin to take place in our world and in, in, in this nation. And we're going to see some things come to light that's going to astound people. I believe that there is healing that's coming to our land. Amen. I believe that there is a time, a moment where healing from exposures Healing's going to come and people's mm -hmm. going to take their swords and put them down and we're going to be able to live in unity together yeah. as God begins to work in our life. Amen. You know, God mm -hmm. loves you. Mm -hmm. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. He wants to minister not just in this world, but he wants to minister mm -hmm. in your family. Mm -hmm. Right. And he wants to minister to you even in your physical body. Why don't you trust in him and let him work in your life? Why don't you believe his word Yes. for what it says? No Thank weapon you, formed against you, Thank you Father. is going to prosper. Amen. David says, <clears throat> Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. He says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In other words, if I start getting out of line, he's going to nudge me where I need to go. And I know that his rod... And his staff is going to fight the enemies on my behalf. You know, the shepherd had a staff that he used to corral the sheep, but he also would carry a rod to fight against the enemy. Moses' rod parted the Red Sea, and people walked over on dry ground. Let's let the rod and the staff Comfort us. Amen. That no fear come into our life. Today's a day to begin to walk in faith and let faith prevail in your life. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank you for listening to what we've had to say. I hope that you've taken some notes. And I pray that you allow this to get into your spirit, not just into your mind, but let it get into your soul. Let it be a foundation in your life that you can walk with mm -hmm. God and allow God to prevail in your life and work on your behalf. You know, you were hitting on exposure a few minutes ago, and I just felt, you know, to say that, that there are many that are, that are watching. I know there are even many that are connected in our life. Like God's allowing exposure of things to take place. 
And when I was sharing at the onset of the broadcast and I was talking about how that we can't get a breakthrough until first we recognize the problems externally and in, internally. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and God wants to allow exposure to take place. And when we really have a lifestyle of repentance in our prayer life, I know you and I both are the same way. And we say, God exposed to me anything in my life that doesn't need to be there. Because I want to I be pure before you. And I want to be a vessel that you can flow through to touch the lives of others. So if my, my attitudes are wrong, if my, my mindset's wrong, if, my, uh, if I've opened doors of compromise in any way, I, don't, I, I want to close those doors. And sometimes, because we're caught up in life, and as you were reading, we are carnal. We're living in the flesh, you know. And, and so it's easy to open doors. Sometimes we know exactly what we're doing and sometimes we don't. Unknowingly, we let our guard down. We're caught up in stresses. We're distracted. And we can unknowingly and unwillingly let our guard down and, and open doors for the enemy. God exposed those things to me. Because you are first and foremost in my life. I want you first and foremost. I don't want anything to stand in the way. But there are also some of you that in your relationships, in, in, your, in your marriage, in your business dealings with partners, with clients, you need exposure to take place. You know, uh, one, one challenge that you and I find happens when we're dealing with couples that get you know, engaged and they're looking to get married is, but do you really know the person? My husband, you know, famous words, which I know you've heard from probably a million people before, but it, take it slow. Well, people hear that and they're like, yeah, I'm trying to take it slow. But when your emotions are caught up in a relationship, you don't even understand how to take it slow. You may be trying to, but you don't really know how to do that. And and one of the reasons that you always counsel people that way is because you just don't really know somebody. And then even when you do know them, they might be one way today and tomorrow pressures of life may come in. Yeah. And you may see a whole different side of that person. So you've got to know that you know that it's God that put you. And I'm not just talking about marriage relationships. I'm talking about business dealings, partnerships. It's, it's very, very important that we let the Holy Spirit bring into our lives that people need to be there. We have been praying for years. I mean, it's a part of my daily prayers, not as a routine, but from my heart. Father, expose to me. Expose to me anything that's hidden that I need to know about. And there may be those things that God has had hidden because he wants them hidden for a season. Maybe I'm not mature enough to deal with the truth. But as, he, as I grow in him, then he'll reveal those things if I'm asking. Because he gives to us as we ask. And you've been talking about it. You're speaking to the mountain. It be moved. We're talking about it's a mustard. Faith is a mustard seed. We've been talking about the power of words, decreeing, declaring, worshiping. Through our words, we silence the avenger. He's talking about the fig tree being cursed. We're, everything we're talking about tonight is it, it all reverts back to this and the power of our words. And so allow exposure to take place and be, be hungry enough for God. And listen, be hungry enough that you can get your life right so you can minister to those around you. 
The signs of the times are everywhere, okay? And I believe, and my husband believes, we're on the brink of an amazing move of God, an amazing revival that's going to hit the world. It's going to shake the world. We believe that, but let's get everything hidden, I mean exposed that's been hidden, so that we can have it purged out of our lives so all of us together can be Christ's hand extended to reach out in love and to bring deliverance to those that are bound, broken. People are so broken. People don't know who to trust. And we can be those voices that can speak into their world and share the love of Christ with them. But first, we've got to be honest and open and God, show me internally the problems and help me get my focus right so I'm not just focused on everything out here that's the comfortable way, and that's the cowardice way, is to just to focus on all that and all of them and all their problems. No, God, show me, show me, and purge me and purify me so I can stand up right before you and be used mightily by you. You know, there's a lot said tonight, and I think uh, a lot for us all to think about and ponder and study out. You know, God, mm-hmm. God wants to move in our life. We have to give him room to move. And we give him room to move in our life by studying his word, allowing faith to rise within our hearts and our life, and begin to sit back and watch him. You know, we live in an impatient world Mm. where everything is fast food, drive-through, have it your way, all these things. And we think that God's going to move like that also. There's times... There's times I wish he would have moved a whole lot quicker than he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He's always on time. Amen. And he never fails. Amen. And he has your best interest at heart. So tonight we challenge you. We'll take the word and let it get inside of you. You know, if you're wanting to help us out and, and uh, make a contribution to the church, we'd deeply appreciate it. A lot of things are going on in this world, and we still have bills that we're paying, and and so uh, those of you that are tithers uh, for our church, uh, we, we ask you to stay with your tithes and, and your offerings. Those of you that are not part of our church, your tithes belongs in your church. But you can plant a seed. You can give an offering. We love you. We appreciate you. And we believe in God has great things in store for us as we follow after him with our whole heart, Amen. our mind, and our bodies. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you again soon.